Welcome inside the bubble. Mike and Micah here with you again to break down some NBA games. It's been a minute since we've been on the pod. Uh, We had stoppage and play for three days, and then we have to see how all of these these series were going to finish up before we jump back on another pod. So now that all first-round matchups are done, we can now come back on the pod and discuss the end of these first-round matchups and talk about what we've seen so far in these uh, second-round matchups. So, Micah, I want to first start with the Denver Nuggets and uh, the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. That was the game. That was the game that we. Well, first of all, let's say the Nuggets were the team that we thought could surprise everybody. Mm-hmm. They quickly fall down three-one, and you know, usually when it's three-one, what happens that you're not coming back. Only eleven teams now, twelve have come back from three-one, so it wasn't looking good. But we did say in I think either last podcast or two podcasts ago. The Nuggets are the type of team with the firepower that they have. They can come back from 3-1. And they proved it. Jamal Murray went off in uh, Game 5 and Game 6. Jokic was able to go off in Game 7. MPJ showed up in uh, Game 7. And everything just seemed to work. Uh, Gary Harris, a huge help uh, coming back for that team. He was able to, he was able to lock down uh, players defensively and make it a lot tougher for people to get uh, to the bucket. So the Nuggets were able to get it together and win three games straight. Now going into a Clippers matchup, they are going to be tired because they are coming off a one-day's rest. But what did you like about seeing the Nuggets in the last three games that you think can carry over into the next round? And then I also want you to touch quickly on the Jazz also on their season and what you expect for the offseason now from this Jazz team. Yeah, so uh, let's just get into the positives I saw from the Nuggets, Um, and especially going into this next series and how they finished out um, you know, these last three games winning the series, the Nuggets showed that what they are as a team isn't a fluke. I guess that was the most important thing. Getting over the first round hump for them, even though they have been, you know, and they made um, playoff runs before, even last year they had a great playoff run. Doing it again this year was just, you know, confirmation that they are legit, that they can, you know, come back, defy the odds, do things that's only been done 11 and now 12 times. So that's good. That's that's the start for them. And at this point, we shouldn't expect anything less from them. Um, the fact that they were on three one was a little bit, I would say, shocking to me. But it just seemed like the Jazz early, in the earlier part of the series had the upper hand. But what I saw all these last three games from the Nuggets, you know, in the winning efforts, it's just the fact that they were playing cleaner basketball. I mean, they were making their shots. They weren't doing weird uh, things on offense. They were playing solid enough defense. Um, and even, you know, you had cases where Donovan Mitchell was going to go for 44, but Jamal Murray was able to come back and combat him for 50. Um, it's one of the things where the Nuggets, they, it looks like they're starting to take that step from a really young and inexperienced team, which is kind of weird to say anyway. They've made playoff runs and they've been there, but a team that has relative youth playing, you know, a very important role. So a team that can actually win, and they, it seems like they found the method to win. Um, get Michael Porter Jr. involved. Um, you know, just give him, let him take more shots. Even him taking seven shots is better than him taking only five shots. You know, stuff like that, getting him more involved in the offense, getting him more than 15 minutes. Um, you know, that game seven was a kind of an indication that they can beat veteran teams when it matters. Um, and going forward, that's going to be really important in the Clippers series. Um, I'll, I guess we'll do kind of a projection of what happens with them in this series. Um, but I think it would be pretty interesting. I think they give uh, Clippers a great run. As far as the Jazz, and, and this is something that we talked about very early on, and the last time I recorded, it kind of looked like the Jazz were, you know, going to take this. They were up 3-1. 
Um, at that time, it might have been um, it might have been two one, but they were up, and it was one of those things where like, okay, the Jazz have the veteran experience. They've played well enough. Donovan Mitchell has done everything in his power. Mike Conley was stepping up. Everything looked good for them, but with this collapse, it starts to look weary again. But it's not the situation that we talked about earlier before um, before the series started, where it was just like if the Jazz go out there and embarrass themselves, this thing that they're doing is done. You know, uh, Rudy Gobert might get flipped. The, the core of the team has to change. I think they bought themselves another year, but the problem is literally everybody else in that conference is getting better as we speak. Um, you know, John Moran just won the rookie of the year. He's going to be an all-star next year. And the Grizzlies, you know, Grizzlies healthy. I would say they're probably a, a team that is on the same level as the Jazz. Teams like the Suns are going to come up from – being, you know, a team that was not really that good, a 14, uh, a 14, you know, spot in the West to possibly fighting for a playoff spot. Teams that were, teams that were like just not playing good. A team like the Blazers are, are going to be possibly playing better basketball next year, given if they keep their core together and whatever they do. The Jazz once again are at the spot, and it's not necessarily a blow it up spot, but they're stagnant. It's right, they're right back to where they were. As well as Donovan Mitchell played, he still unless you know doesn't have anybody to help him. It's one of those things where I wish it would change, and I wish it was a different scenario, but it's not. And I don't know, I don't know if they keep this together. I don't know how far they can go. So um, it's a little bit weird for the Jazz, and I think them they're gonna have to do a lot to kind of you know make a similar type of run. I don't see them being above a five seed. If anything, it'll be a six and seven seed. Um, but they just kind of got beat at the end of the day. Uh, you hate to see it happen to them. But Denver was a better team, and Denver did what they were supposed to do to start the series. So um, it's going to be interesting just to see them going forward. I mean, I, I said it with uh, with the Jazz where I don't think they're a team that have an ability to get better in any way where they shoot themselves into the top four. Mm-hmm. It's being reported that uh, they're working with Donovan Mitchell to get an extension right now on his contract, so he'll be there for the long haul. But I think it becomes very similar to a Dame Lillard situation yeah. where – Maybe one time that uh, Donovan Mitchell is able to catch fire in a bottle and he's able to go to a Western Conference final. But for the most part, he's going to be a guy that you just you like you're just going to be like, ah, yeah, the Jazz are there. There may be a six seed. There may be a five seed. Oh, they're three seed. Like there's nothing that's going to be able to get them to that next level. So if you're a Jazz fan, it's like, OK, we're stuck in purgatory uh, for the next couple of years. We had a good opportunity to advance to the next round. And we would have been rested if we were able to take care of it in five or six, um, but lost in seven, barely lost. Mike Conley had a chance to, at the end of the game, but now the Jazz are just in a limbo situation. Yeah. And, hey, who 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 knows what who knows what that means for uh, the Jazz as a team and where they're going to go forward? If Donovan Mitchell keeps improving like this, who knows? Maybe he is able to get to another gear on top of the gear that we saw in the playoffs where. He becomes a legit, just straight star. He's a star already in the league, but like that like next level of like star. Yeah, that's super. Yeah. So if he's able to make that leap, it could be totally different. Do I personally believe that he's going to be able to go to that top 10 level? No. I mean, he's still young and he still has a long ways to go, but I see him very Dwayne Wade like, mm-hmm, but yeah. I don't think he has enough talent to get to Dwayne, La- Dwayne Wade flash level at his peak where it was uh, Shaq and Wade and he was able to take over with a big man down low and he was able to slash, hit the mid range. He has the ability to do that. I just don't think it's at the level of a Dwayne Wade. So if you're the Jazz, sucks that you lost in, in seven games, especially after you up 3-1. But 
hey, that's how that's how basketball works. Nuggets, on the other hand, I mean, I had them coming out of the Western Conference in my uh, my pre playoff prediction. I think the Nuggets have everything that you need to match both the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah. They have the depth to match the Clippers, where the Clippers are a team that go ten deep. The Nuggets go ten deep. The Nuggets starting five. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is no longer in the starting five anymore. They have Monte Morris. They have Will Harris. They have a bunch of guards that can go ahead and switch for P- on PG, on Kawhi. And, yeah, not going to slow them down, but can definitely, help, uh, can definitely help coming back. And we haven't even seen Will Barton yet. Yeah. Will Barton has been hurt the whole, uh, the whole bubble, and there's talks that he may potentially come back. So they're, not going, they're going now from 10 deep to 11 deep, and M- Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes may even decrease even more. And <laughs> they haven't even played Bull Bull in, like, five games, and we all yeah. thought that, oh – Maybe we'll see a little bit of bull bull, but that's how good this team is. So I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is pretty interesting uh, Nuggets team. The only issue that I currently see right now is the rest. The Clippers are coming off of so much rest. Not only did they get the rest where uh, the NBA boycotted for a couple of ga- uh, days, but after the boycott, they were able to beat the Mavericks and then get that extra rest. Um, on top of that, so they are very rested, and a rested Kawhi is a scary Kawhi. That that that's that's yep, the nature of the reason. That's that's the reason why he only plays sixty games in a season. Because when they need him to turn it up in the playoffs, he does turn it up. Now, I do think that the Nuggets, being how hot they are at, of a team right now, I truly believe that they can go ahead and find themselves in a place where they're very competitive with the Clippers. I don't think the Clippers won that series handily by any means. I don't think the Clippers against the Mavericks were looked all that. They had one game where they yeah. shot amazing. But game one, Porzingis was ejected, and it was a close game. And then besides that, the Dallas, the other, other game the Mavs won, it was Porzingis. Uh, it was um, Luka by himself. And then everything else was without Porzingis, was without a torn meniscus. And those games still ended up being close to the fourth quarter where they were able to pull away. So I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't know for a fact if the Clippers are the real deal, and I don't know if that's due to the fact that they're um, due to the fact that they're still a team that's starting to trying to mesh together, and they don't have Patrick Beverly. They're not at full strength themselves. But I don't think that the Clippers are currently a team that is all is all that. And I think I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Nuggets to win the series in seven. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I just I really like the Nuggets team, and obviously everything says that the Clippers are the better team, but I think I'm sticking with the Nuggets and going Nuggets in seven, uh, Nuggets in seven here against um, against the Clippers. But what are your thoughts on this exact series, Michael? On this exact series? So, and I think everything you said is true. And honestly, I would have it going the other way, just kind of keep it short and simple. Um, I have the Clippers in seven. I see this kind of, unfortunately, the Nuggets are going to end up in the same situation as, I don't want to say it in necessarily the same situation as Portland, but in the same type of spot where, they haven't got enough rest, and they've been playing for their life for the last week and a half now. Yep. It's one of those situations where the, Blazers, yeah, where the Blazers literally, you know, they, they had seeding games that they had to win and stuff like that. But when they finally got to the playoffs, you only got one winning effort out of them. Um, and I don't necessarily think the Nuggets are only going to put up one winning effort, but um, they're going to – I said, they, you know, they're going to win maybe a game handily and maybe two games kind of close. But – if it comes down to a game seven, I, honestly, I have the Clippers kind of winning this, and it's simply because, I mean, they those little bit of rest in the bubble really matter. Um, I think they, you know, the rosters are pretty much even in a sense. Um, I feel like 
maybe the Clippers are, of course, more top-heavy because – well, not top-heavy. They, they have a higher ceiling, I should say, because of guys like Kawhi and PG. But only, consist, only consistent on the Clippers team has really been Kawhi. And even then, you're getting a version of Kawhi that uh, – it's like – it's the quiet version of Kawhi. And he's always been that, but it's nothing explosive about his game right now. And when the Clippers don't have an explosive score alongside a guy like Kawhi or guys that's going to step up, it's a little bit troubling for them. So I think they have big troubles this series. I really don't think they're going to look their best. But I think they pull it out in seven. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I want to see, you know, what Denver does to kind of slow this down. And if somebody can get in PG's head, because honestly, if somebody gets in PG's head, then the Clippers are losing this series. But I just think he's going to play a little bit better than he did. Yeah, I, I, told, I, I agree with you there with – uh, your analysis on Denver being tired. We saw Portland just run out of legs mm-hmm. at the end of uh, that Lakers series. They just weren't able to be able to keep up with the pace of a team that really didn't turn it on. And to Denver's credit, I mean, not credit, but to Denver's, uh, to Denver's, uh, Mike, to Mike Malone, I mean, yeah. they didn't play much in the bubble seeding games. Like that first round was really their time to tune up and everything because they hadn't, they hadn't really gotten into the flow of things. Jamal Murray's only played, uh, I think game seven and eight of the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Gary Harris wasn't there. It was more of Michael Porter Jr., more Jokic, more Bobo, like just trying to get the young guys some some um, good games to get in. So I think that there's a good possibility that even though the Nuggets had to come back in game seven, they're not as tired as uh, the Trailblazers were when they were going up against the Lakers. But moving on from that matchup, let's go to the other uh, other series in the Western Conference. Now official, we have the Lakers and the Rockets. So, Mike, similar to uh, that Nuggets, uh, Denver-Utah uh, Denver, series, what were your thoughts on Rockets-Thunder? What do you think the Rockets can do to the Lakers this series, and what is your prediction for the Lakers-Rockets series? Well, let's, I mean, let's just keep it real, man. The Rockets, they snuck their way into the second round, really. If we're being real about it, um, I honestly feel like the Thunder – played better than the entire series. It was just certain points, you know, and, you know, clutch time or whatever it was. The game kind of just got away from the Thunder, and it might be because they're a young team. Um, I, You know, I won't make that an excuse, but the Rockets found a way to pull through, even without Russ, um, which I, I did kind of think Russ not being there would put them in a little bit of a hole, but they actually they, they played great without Russ in the beginning of the series. It's when Russ kind of got inserted in there that things kind of, you know, kind of got a little wonky, uh, his performance in Game Six was a little bit weird and stuff. Um, you know, it's typical Russ kind of thing. No, you, you don't have to say weird. It was it was straight yeah, it, trash. Okay. It, it was it was, <laughs> it was, it was straight he, trash. He he could have easily lost that series for them, and it would have been like un- inexcusable. Um, but they found a way into round two. Good for them. But now you're facing the Lakers, who I mean, talk about a team that's been resting. They've been resting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it feels like a week. <laughs> They were resting before, uh, you know, the the stopping games, really, because they only had one more game to win. Even then, Dame was hurt at that time. Like, they were going to win that game regardless. So it was a matter of them just coming out there and balling. You're going to – I mean, the Rockets are going to face uh, a team that's finally found their uh, their groove. They're finally playing the basketball that we, they were kind of playing all season. The Lakers started off really, really slow. But it was one of those things that we even talked about where, like, if you let the Lakers get into a groove, and come around this time, you know, second round conference finals, they're going to be playing like the Lakers again. Sometimes that's what happens with veteran teams. They need to get back into the flow of things. And the Lakers are one of those teams. Um, and now you're seeing, a, you know, a version of the Lakers that it might be even better than what, you know, at times we saw in the regular season. AD is 
finally, finally, finally being that guy in the paint. He's being a dominant force. LeBron is not being super passive anymore, probably because he finally got his playoff wind up. Guys are stepping up. I mean, the Lakers are in a prime position to get this done in five, and that's what I expect them to do. Um, I think the Lakers winning this in five. I really don't have much to say for the Rockets because they're pretenders still. It's the same thing we talk about every single time. They're not meant to do, you know, go far in this, like, especially without a center. But even if it's a style of play, you don't want them. It's just, it's it's the Rockets, man. They, they're not built for this. The, their play style, Harden's play style, and the way Mike Dan, uh, D'Antoni coaches this team and, you know, the scheme they implement, they're not meant to face somebody like the Lakers. The Lakers are going to pound them into submission. That's the type of game that they play. It might be a little bit high-powered at times, and it might be flashy with guys like Bron and AD doing different things on the court, but best believe the Lakers play a physical brand of basketball. I don't know if the Rockets are both for that. I think AD is having one of those series where it's like, you know, he's averaging 30 and 15 every game because I think now it's crunch time for him. It's like, okay, there's no five. These guys are food out there. I'm six inches taller than anybody else on the court. Let's go get money. And I think that happens. So I would take the Lakers in five. The Rockets, eight. I'm tired of talking about them. I, I just want to see them gone, honestly. That's the that's the part that sucks. I mean, they sh- they should have lost the game. They should have. It's, it's like it's pretty simple that they should have lost the game. James Harden was terrible. Dort locked him we, down. We've had this conversation so many times. I'm like I'm tired of having the same conversation. But shooting threes does not work in a seven game series against a good team. It just doesn't. Again, in a game seven, when refs will not call those fouls on you and shooting your threes, James Harden struggled again from the line. I think uh, they sent a stat in our group chat yesterday that he's 24% mm-hmm. from the three-point line in, in elimination games. It happens all the time, and this is not, this is not a coincidence, coincidence at, at this point. It's just what he does. And they're not going to be able to stop uh, to be able to win sh- with this style. It's just not possible. AD is going to beast yeah, the Rockets. It's time. There's nothing. There is nothing that P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, uh, Jeff Green, any any combination you want to put together will be able to do to stop A.D. LeBron, I don't know who they have guarding him, maybe P.J. Tucker, but you, you probably want P.J. Tucker on your big man. So what, a Jeff Green? <laughs> like, who, who, who is guarding? It's Lakers in five, and it's, and it's not going to be close, I don't think. I think this is the Lakers series where they get right, get completely right and are ready to go um, and take over and take over um, the Western Conference. Yeah. And the Rockets, I mean, like I said, they they had a lot of opportunities to to lose that, that game seven. They definitely gave it up. But because OKC, like you said, is a young team and not at the point where they have that, even though Chris Paul is a closer, he wasn't able to find the ball with the last second there. Mm-hmm. They were able to just sneak by. But I don't think this series is going to be close at all. I don't think most of these series in the second round, except for, uh, Clippers Nuggets are going to be close at all, but yeah, that that's how I feel about it. It's not much I have to add. I just think you said it perfectly right. Lakers in five, and nothing much to it. I'm just tired of seeing this <laughs> rocking style. Uh, m- moving over to the Eastern Conference, yes, I want to start with uh, I want to start with the game that's going on right now. First quarter just finished. Celtics and Raptors, 33-29. First quarter score. Celtics, they look like beasts. Yeah, like just straight up, like. This is the Celtics team that you expected throughout the whole season. And they showed up. I mean, I'm not saying that they, they didn't show up. But this is the Celtics team that you knew w- were going to come when the playoffs started. Where Jason Tatum is that number one guy. But he's able to 
he's able to defer to a Kemba if he's hot or Jalen Brown if he's hot. Everybody's eating. Marcus Smart had five straight threes in a game that they looked like they were going to lose. For me, um, I personally think that this is uh, – I personally think that this is Celtics in five and the Celtics right I – mean, not even right now. I have Celtics going to the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did I, – I had already uh, hinted at them before – before uh, the playoffs started with how they were playing. But Gordon Hayward injury kind of uh, muddied up the waters, but they look like they're even fine without him. So I have Celtics in five. Raptors don't have that closer with Kawhi, and it shows right now uh, in this series. But I think the Celtics have just looked really good and are, are, are clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't necessarily expect the, the Raptors, you know, kind of just to touch on them real quick before I get to the Celtics. I didn't expect them to... I don't know. It just seems like they're outmatched right now. And I, honestly, I don't know. I, I, I think the Celtics get this done in five. I mean, for as good as the Raptors have been this year, and, I, you know, as much as we praise them, as much as Nick Nurse absolutely deserve coach of the year, there's just a – it's a talent gap. And it's one of those things where it's like you kind of have to see – you know, you kind of have to praise Nick Nurse for doing the job that he did. Um, They did bring back a good percentage of this roster. And it's still uh, – pretty much the championship roster without Kawhi, but it's without Kawhi Leonard. That's something, you know, that's a guy that's going to take this, uh, you know, this team over the hump. That's how you get to a finals or even an Eastern Conference finals. But when your best and probably your your most potent scorer is Pascal Siakam, and he doesn't necessarily have an offensive bag, um, I would say, Fred, you know, uh, Fred Van Fleet is probably your probably best scorer besides Kyle Lowry. Unfortunately, in 2020, that's not necessarily their recipe to win. Um, and it is really outmatched by a team like the Boston Celtics, who have three guys, and it looks like right now maybe four guys, if Marcus Smart is playing the way he is, you know, how he's projecting and how he's trending, that could go over 20 points a game. That's without bench points. And they show that they can score, you know, bench points in bunches. Like, the Celtics kind of just – and it's one of those unfortunate things that they kind of just outmatch them. It's a bad combination of teams. Um, and I didn't necessarily think that going into it. I thought it would be a, a lot closer. And of course, the uh, the play is going to be closer because it's not a super talent gap. But when it comes to explosive scoring and guys getting, you know, uh, you need, you need a guy like, you know, to score thirty five points or forty points just to you know give you that edge. The Raptors simply don't have that. And you know, the Celtics do. They have two guys that could easily get over 30 points a night. Jason Tatum, he's good at this point in the way he's playing. If he gets 40 if he gets forty minutes, he's good for about 30 points. Yep. Jalen Brown, he's good for about 20 points. Young superstar Jason Tatum, get it right. Get it right. Excuse Young me, superstar. superstar All-NBA, he's probably going to end up being the best player very, very soon, Jason Tatum. Yep. He, I mean, this is what he does. He's here now. He, he's allowed to do this. His, this is his team. Um, a guy like Jalen Brown, he's the perfect complement to him. A guy like Campbell Walker, who's finally coming into his own, the percentage might not be great all the time, but you know he's going to go score and you know he's going to draw fouls and conduct the offense. That's very important. Marcus Smart, he somehow he has an offensive bag and somehow he is a knockdown three point shooter, but he's the perfect three and D guy. This team is just yeah. outmatching them. How you know, regardless of how great the Raptors have been coached and how great that team plays together, they just don't have enough firepower to beat the Celtics. So I, I would say Celtics in six. Um, I think the Raptors may squeak a game out, but it's a Celtics series all the way, and I expect them to be in the conference finals. Yep, uh, I, I I totally agree with you. So, yeah, Celtics Celtics in five, Celtics in six. Uh, both both these teams are had good bubbles, but I think the Celtics just have more fire uh, firepower right now. So, 
I say I say the best series for last. Yes, sir. So, Micah, I just want you to give your full breakdown on Bucks Heat because I have a lot of takes on this series. So I'm gonna let you go first, and then I'm I'm gonna go and rant about uh, what the Bucks are doing right now. Yeah, man. Um, so we've been talking about this since the pod came back day one. We were looking for this series. We knew it was going to happen in round two. And we knew it was going to be basically the deciding factor in who comes out of the East. And we're seeing it play out. The Miami Heat, they had the formula in the, in the regular season. They kind of just transferred it over. And it's not necessarily the same type of thing that was happening last playoffs. But it is. It's the same The same result is happening. But it's just a little bit different of a man. It's not a true wall that they're playing. They're, they're showing wall looks and things like that. But it's not necessarily messing up Giannis because he's still be able to score points. But what it's doing is throwing the Bucks off rhythm completely. Um, they're getting them in foul trouble. They're not hitting their shots. They're not playing at their pace. The last game, they scored under 10 fast break points. And if you know how the Bucks have been playing literally all year, They've been playing super fast, and Giannis has been getting 30 minutes and scoring 33 points or something, you know, something like that. What's happening now is they're having the you know play half court offense, and that's just not what they do. That's not that's not a Mike Budenholzer scheme at all. You know, that's not what he does. He likes high powered offenses, but it's one of those things where it's coming back to bite him once again, and we've seen it over the last couple of years when it seemed like the Heat you know, well-built teams that could, you know, they're very balanced and well-rounded. And even the Raptors last year, if you want to take it there, you know, um, when teams like that have the inside game and the outside game and they can play defense, the Bucks just have troubles. And I won't solely put it on Giannis, but it is kind of his fault too. Um, and I guess you might, you might just blow the top off with that one. But uh, I guess just talking about the Heat, their formula is just very, you know, it's cut out. We're going to shoot threes, and we're going to play great defense. They're a 3 and D team, but it's not like the Rockets because you have a BAM down there. You have scrappy guys like Andre Iguodala. Scrappy Gordon guys. is always trying to find it in the exactly. lane. Scrappy guys like Jay Crowder. Scrappy guys, uh, apparently the, the alleged Giannis opera, you know, guys like BAM out of bio. Duncan Robinson, he's knocked down. He's going to shoot that thing. Tyler Hero, he's becoming his own. Out here, Gordon Dragic is having a resurgence, in my opinion, as far as just being that guy who's a reliable bucket getter. It's not even saying that he was playing bad, but him being over 20 points is really, really good, and is getting back to that level where they consider him an All NBA player. Guys like Kelly Olynyk are good for eight and five off the bench, which is amazing. And now you're looking at the and and what's crazy is Kendrick Nunn is not even playing a lot of minutes. And he was one of their best assets coming into this whole thing throughout the season. He was one of their their sneaky assets. The Miami Heat kind of just have the formula, and they're playing great basketball right now. Um, and we'll talk about what happens if they advance for the next series and kind of how that matchup goes. But the Heat, they should be a team that everybody's looking at, and they're legit contenders. Um, they might not be a flashy team, but they're legit. And um, if I just want to put it out there, I mean, I, I kind of have the Heat winning this in six now. Um, I think the Bucks find a way to. Six. <laughs> I'm being nice, Mike. I'm being nice. <laughs> I'm being nice, bro. Look, I believe I do believe that the Bucks have it in a winning game or two, a game or two. I'll give them five to six. You know, I'll be lenient. They find a way to do it, but at the end of the day, I think the Heat's formula is just too good for them. And I think, honestly, 
Eric Spolcher is thoroughly out coaching Mike Budenholzer right now. So I, I would take the Heat in five or six. And that's just me being nice. Let it lose. So, so the Milwaukee Bucks, when they entered the bubble, the first couple of games, we said, this team does not look good. Yeah. And it was the Lakers and the Bucks that looked the exact same way. We said this team, this team just straight up does not look good. They, they're not looking like the team that we saw before everything shut down. The ball movement isn't there. It's a lot of solo. It's a lot of ISO. It's a lot of one-on-one stuff. And we were like, well, they're a team that probably, since they're already locked in in the one seed, they're not taking it serious. That Dallas Mavericks game against Luka, it was obvious that the Bucks wanted to take that game serious and wanted to be like, okay, we're back. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to win. Uh, they weren't able to win that game against the. Um, weren't able to win that game against the Mavericks. Mavericks were able to handle them. Luca with the in between uh, the legs for uh, the in between the legs play that we all saw. That was amazing. Then you get to the Orlando series game one. They just look sluggish. They don't look like they want to be there. Orlando without anybody is able to go ahead and beat them. Yeah, they take care of the rest of the series the the way that they usually uh, the way that. They were dominant, but it still wasn't the Bucks convincing like, oh, we are so ready. We are so ready to be that team. We are so we're so ready to go through the Eastern Conference. They just have not looked convincing in the playoffs. Game one, I put a hundred percent of the blame on Giannis. That game, Brooke Lopez showed up. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton showed yep. up. Um, both of them showed up. Besides that, nobody really else. But that's what you want from Giannis. You want your guys to be able to give you opportunities to be, uh, give you opportunities to be great, to help supplement, to help space the floor out for mm-hmm. you. And they both did it. They disappeared in the second half, but they kept it close in the first half. And you went in with the lead actually at halftime without Giannis doing much. Giannis, to his credit, I, and I'll give him credit here. It's the only time I'm giving him credit. <laughs> in game two, he was a lot better. He was a lot more aggressive. He was ready to take on the moment. He had 29 and 14, and he. He really came out and showed out that, look, I can, I can still dominate. Yeah, it was going to be tough. Yeah, the points are going to be tough to come by. But he was able to knock down some free throws, and he was able to get into the lane like he usually did. But the reason why the Bucks lose in this series is Mike Budenholzer. Yeah. Mike Budenholzer currently is doing the same exact thing that he did against the Toronto Raptors last year. The Raptors obviously – changed up their scheme game three against Giannis. And Giannis, he can't do anything. It's He's a player that we've said it, he's more like Shaq than he is a guard. He's a guy that is just a big body, a big body, well, not big body, but long, that's able to get into the lane and dunk it. He's not backing you down or anything. He's a player that should be a slasher. He's a guy that you're running up and down the court and able to, uh, able to go ahead and um, get into the lane with. But right now they're playing Giannis like he's yeah, <laughs> they're playing like Giannis three. like like he's like he's a three and not even some yeah sometimes it's a three he's standing at the three point line they they allow him to shoot or like he's a straight up big man five in the nineties where <laughs> he's trying to back down he's trying to back down Jay Crowder or maybe do a skyhook he doesn't have any of those moves in his arsenal no so touch. why so why exactly is he posting up down low so it's clear that they don't know what they want to do as what they want to do as a team. They just don't know what like their, their identity is. And we saw this in Atlanta with Mike Budenholzer, where he wasn't able to go ahead and, and make the Atlanta Hawks any type of good because 
they get stagnant in <laughs> they get stagnant in uh, the playoffs, and the Bucks are lo- looking the exact same. The difference is now you have an MV- a back-to-back MVP in Giannis, who even when things should be stagnant, you have to be able to find your own way to uh, to get your um, to get your points. Whether it be you have to just be super aggressive at every single time you're just driving down with a full head of steam. They're not going to call an offensive foul on you every single time. Hey, maybe that's the maybe that's the method you have to take. But currently, it's just not working with um, with this uh, with this Bucks team. And if you're a Bucks fan or if you're the Bucks front office, you have to start thinking like, look, if we want to keep this guy, because the rumors are already coming out and. Micah, these rumors are very Yo. similar to the rumors that LeBron James and Kevin Durant had before they leave. It wasn't yep. the year that they were leaving. It was two years before where they said they don't have enough help. They don't have enough of anything to keep them in, in, in their situation. And it's looking exactly like that again. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that this is a very pivotal moment for the Bucks organization. Do I think that the uh, Bucks can win this series? I mean, what I've seen from the first two games, we saw two different styles from the Heat. Jimmy Butler totally dominated the first game. Then you had Goran Dragic and just a, a medley of all the players from the Heat in the second game. Mm-hmm. So they can they can hit it for you different ways. Where next game it could be straight up just Tyler Hero hit, heats up, or you have um, not even Tyler Hero next. Game. You could have a uh, Duncan Robinson who hasn't really been great from three in this series. You can have him light up, light you up for five or six threes, and you're down quick uh, in the first half. So it's a situation where the Heat can hit you in a bunch of different ways. And it's not really even the – yeah, they are still double-teaming Giannis, but the wall isn't as there as before. Guys like Wesley Matthews, guys like um, Pat Connaughton, Kyle Korver, um, all these these wing guys need to start hitting their threes. Brooke Lopez has has been great. Chris Middleton has been great. But you're gonna need you're gonna you're gonna need more from your your guys like Eric Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews, and Kyle Korver because the only way Giannis is able to work is if they're spacing on the floor. But if they don't believe Wesley Matthews is gonna hit a three, we're, we're not even going to come out on you. When Giannis drives, his defender is gonna come into the lane, clog up the lane, and it's gonna be difficult for Giannis to score a bucket there. So currently, the way that they're presently constructed, they are not going anywhere. They 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 are losing in, in this series. And you said six games. I think that's more. I think that's beyond generous. The game shouldn't have really have been as close as it was yesterday where, where there was a possibility it could have gone to OT because the um, the Heat had that game with a minute to go and then they just fumbled all over themselves. Yeah. But if the Bucks want to go ahead and take this, uh, if the Bucks want to go ahead and keep Giannis, this is the series you have to win. And I don't think that right now the, what they're doing is going to change. Maybe Mike Budenhoser has an epiphany and everything changes next game. Hey, we'll see. If that happens, we'll reevaluate. If they're able to go 2-1, it's a totally different series. But to be down 2-0 to the Miami Heat, yeah, they're a good team. And I don't want to take anything away from them. They're a very good team. And I think they're going to give the Celtics a hell of a matchup in uh, the conference finals. But to go down 2-0 to a Miami Heat team when you won that many games in the first uh, in the regular season, it's just embarrassing. Just straight up embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, in the Bucks as a one seed and as a team that, like, you should be preparing for. You should be preparing for teams to, for one, obviously key on Giannis, and try to this even if it's not necessarily disrupt his entire game, to try to throw you off enough, to where you're not in rhythm. And like I said, to me, it's not necessarily the fact that they're, oh, they're putting out a wall, and it's not necessarily that. 
It's the fact that they're just disrupting everything else and there's no adjustments being made. There's not, they're not doing anything different. The last game, they were able to kind of stay in and make a game out of it, but it shouldn't have been that anyway. Um, And, like, if the, so, you know, I said they might win a game or two. The Bucks winning a game or two is just Giannis just saying, screw it, I'm about to go score 40, and literally the Heat don't have the firepower to get up to that. That's the only way I see the Bucks winning this. They're going to have to score a lot of points. But even saying that, I, I don't know if the Bucks right now are built to score a lot of points. I don't know how consistent Middleton is going to be for a whole series. I think the second most consistent player they have is Brooke Lopez, which is terrible. It's not built for winning. So, I mean, as a one seed, you don't want your one seed to be a pretender, but it looks like they're going to be pretenders again. And this time, instead of being out in the conference finals, they're, they're going to be out in the second round. Oh, brother. That's just bad. Uh, I have nothing the Bucks. They just have to get it together. They have to find a way. And if not, Giannis is gone. 2021, he's a free agent. And you know what that means. He's out of here. Yep. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you see what happens with um, with this series and what they're able to go ahead and maybe conjure up uh, in game three. I mean, it's a do or die. It's a do or die game in game yeah. three, obviously. They win game three. It's going to be, if they win game three, it's going to be a sweep. But uh, it's just been disappointing to see how the Bucks uh, go ahead and um, how the Bucks go ahead and respond to being down 0-2. But that's going to wrap it up for our preview of the second round and what's going on. We have some fun games tonight. Uh, Boston Raptors is a good one right now. And then we got, obviously, Nuggets Clippers later on tonight. We'll be back after, well, I think, what, after each team goes through maybe two or three games. The, the schedule's a little bit weirder now yeah. because of how early everybody started compared to others. So we'll be back probably sometime uh, next week or maybe early next week to break down what we've seen so far in the rest of the bubbles. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.